With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, full work limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back to another episode of uh, Shades of Blue Soccer Show. I believe I have Mike on the line. I'm here. You there? And in case anybody's been under a rock for the last few years, Mike is the owner-operator of downthebyline.com. Uh, Mr. Stats guy himself. Also on the line tonight, we got Cody, one of our writers at thebluetestament.com. How you doing, Cody? I'm doing pretty well. How about you guys? Not bad. Um, let's see. Should we jump right into the Sporting New York game? Yeah, why not? Um, I mean, it really wasn't too terrible of a performance. So I feel like they should have got the result out of it. Um, I mean, the shots were 17 to 5. I think Peter said that like three times in the interview. I think that really bothered him. <laughs> And, I mean, we had won more duels, won more tackles, had more corners, more shots on goal. Um, I mean, uh, okay, so, so the first goal, that was really just um, Beesler just missing the ball on a, you know, pretty dangerous tackle. And the, you know, the decision for the PK would have come on what the announcers were saying was, you know, the second 
effort from Beesler. I don't know if there was another effort, but he definitely at least didn't put his feet down. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I think if a yellow probably would have been all right on that one. Um, I was kind of surprised to see he got away with one. Uh, the second goal, you can't really do anything about that. Thierry Henry is just world-class. Um, I mean, maybe someone could have, I think Tony should have probably stepped up on him a little more, but, I mean, Thierry Henry is Thierry Henry. Um, our goal was pretty good. Great ball in from ZC and nice efforts from Zinovic to get it back in the middle and then a beautiful finish from Dom to get uh, to tie Frecky's record, I guess. Um, I mean, we saw the flashes of the sporting we all know, but, I mean, I think it comes down to Dom had some chances that, you know, he would tell you that he should have hit, and, you know, Beesler had... I mean, Beesler and Colin, it's weird to say, but it almost seemed like they weren't even on the same page, and that's been the most solid link-up in MLS for the last several years. But, um, yeah, I mean, like I said, I think they should have got a result out of it at least. Peter said he liked, uh, you know, in the first half, he said that was one of the best halves they played in a week. Um, I was talking to Dom and Sunni last night. Sunni said that, you know, that they've just, like, gotten away from themselves and maybe they're, you know, in situa- they get put in situations where guys like Sinovic and Beesler on the back line are forced to drive the play as opposed to, you know, Philhaver or Naga. And so, I mean, they, I think they're, I think they're getting back to their winning ways here, but it's, it's good to, it's good that they're going here to see this and have a weakling team that they can match up against. How about you, Mike? Is that, uh, what were your thoughts on the game? I mean, it, it was a better performance, especially from what we saw uh, midweek again against uh, New England. Still not the level I think most of us are used to seeing from the team. Um, there are still, I think, some areas that a lot of people are not happy with. I think the biggest thing that helped against um, past weekend was, was the fact that uh, Paulo Nagamuro was was back uh, for Kansas City. But it, it's it, there's still a, a lot of issues. Cody touched on uh, Beesler and Colin looking a bit disjointed in, in the back. And I, I honestly, I think part of that just – has to do with the amount of minutes that both players have been playing. We we came into the season expecting the likes of uh, of Opara to be able to spell them to to give Beesler a chance when he came back from the World Cup to not necessarily ease back in, but uh, maybe get get a few less games to allow him to recover from the World Cup and also to spell Colin, let him uh, have a. Uh, have a game or two off every now and then. I, the, the the fact that uh, Collins kept his yellows down this year with the Opara injury ha- has really been a godsend for the team in that regard. But, I mean, it, and th- the issue with fatigue, I think, is not just the likes of Beesler and Collins, but I think it's it, it's a lot of guys on the team are really starting to play more minutes than, than they've really a- ever played 
um, or were expected to play this year. I mean, uh, Julial's played 18 of the last 19 games, started 18 games. Um, before this, he played 21 games in his two years with uh, Fluminense. So, I mean, he, he's one of the guys that has played more minutes than than I think was expected of him this year. Olam's another one uh, with the uh, with the injury to Nagamura and selling Rossell that is that is playing more minutes this year than anybody would have expected him to uh, coming into the season. Then of uh, the likes of Kevin Ellis over a thousand minutes already this year, probably not expected to contribute that much. John Kempen, you you have a lot of guys on the roster who are getting more minutes than what was expected of them this year, and yeah. I think I think that's starting to show in the play. Yeah, and and the other way to put that is that they're all getting more minutes than they should have ever gotten this season. Um, I mean, like, yeah, Julio has has you know shown his flashes of brilliance, and we know what Tony can do in the right spot, but. I mean, yeah, like you said, no one ever expected them to play this much, and they weren't ready to play this much, especially on a team trying to defend an MLS Cup, you know? Yeah, I would actually kind of disagree with you guys a little bit on some of the players like Julio. Uh, I mean, he's he's young, but he's not got the wear and tear on him that some of the other guys. I think where the the worst part of it is is on the Beasler, the Collins, and the Sanovic, where they've it's not that they played all those games this year. It's that they played all those games this year and last year and the year before that. Does that make sense? That's yeah. fair. But the 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 other thing with the Giuliabo is he's playing all these minutes without without a level of experience um, from uh, from Fluminense. That that was more what I was leaning towards with Giuliabo uh, is just his inexperience at playing this long of a season and getting this much, this much time. It's not something that, it's not something that was expected before Myers went down. I, I mean, you, you, you ask Vermes and I guarantee you, he did not expect Julia to start 18 league games this year for sporting. No, no, I would, I would, yeah, we agree with that. I think we're, we're agreeing on that part. Um, Julia would not have started as many games if Chance was healthy. Uh, they would have alternated some. Uh, maybe Chance would have filled in some for Seth or Kevin would have. But it would have been a lot more opportunity for those guys to get rest. I still think the the biggest killer is that, that Beasler and Colin doesn't have a true backup at their level. I mean, Ellis is filled in very admirably. Palmer Brown is filled in pretty good when, after that first game. But you still you don't want to really throw him to the wolves completely as much as you know you, you just don't want to completely throw him out there um, unless you have to at this point with his age. Uh, I think those are the ones those are the key factors because Beasler looked gassed in this last game. Yes, he did absolutely. And that that is like anti Beasler right there. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, they, there was a video of him just huffing and puffing harder than anybody on the field there in that second half. And, I mean, it probably should be noted, I mean, you know, Clint Dempsey's older than Beesler, but Clint Dempsey's taking, you know, a, almost a whole week off here from the Sounders. And, I mean, yeah, Beesler's tired. And on top of that, he's got a freaking broken hand. And so, 
Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of wear and tear on, on some of these guys. Yeah, carrying that extra calf weight around doesn't help. I'm sure that that was a small factor in him in that game. Because I know I've I've ran with a cast on before, and you can be in shape, but that still was that extra effort that your body isn't used to. Yeah, and you lose that ability to sneak a jersey grab here and there with that hand. <laughs> but you do get to throw some jabs into the ribs that you would have <laughs> have a little more force than you would have had before. Right, right. <laughs> Not that Beasler would ever do that. All right, so the defense was better. Is there anything that they can do to – the defense was better, but obviously still lacking. Like we've said, there's, they didn't seem to be quite in sync. There seems to be the, the wear and tear issue. Is there any solution for Vermees for the defense at this point? And I'll throw that out to either one of you. I mean, there, there's a way that you could go about doing it. I'm not sure if we will. Um Honestly, both of them need need a break, and unfortunately, I don't think Olam is the guy to give that break. So, I mean, the the only thing, the the best thing that the the team could probably do, and it's it, it's short sighted, good could be poor uh, future wise, is to look to find a center back within the league to e- either trade for or find somebody outside the league. To, that's out of contract that we can sign before uh, next week's roster freeze. A, a experienced veteran center back who can come in and give 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 a rest for a game, be the spot starter for for Colin in there. That that I think is probably going to be the best thing that Kansas City can do in this situation because those guys need a break. And I've been saying all season that we need need wing back to to help uh, Sinovic out um, on the left side. But at this point, I, I think the center back position is the more important one to just get a guy that we can get till the end of the season to, uh, to, to spell those guys a little bit. Yeah. And, and preferably like an MLS journeyman type that is, you know, knows the flow of the league and that isn't going to have to adapt in any way, you know? First of all, I, I don't know if there's any of those guys out there that are would be available. Um, first of all, second, how much would Sporting have to pay? Because everybody would know that you know, right. there's a need, and they're going to jack up the price. Sure, we'll give you this journeyman defender who really should be a fourth string defender in MLS for two first round draft picks. Yeah, you know that sort of thing. Right. I just don't know if that's going to be feasible. Um, I mean, it, it would be good if they can make that move. If they get a, if they get a good enough relationship with somebody, they could do that. Um, well, and, and that's why, that, that's why I threw out the ability to sign somebody that's out of contract. Like, I, I don't agree with who they signed, but Colorado just is on the verge of signing uh, that night the uh, former Bolton Wanderers defender. The Columbus Crew went out and got the. Uh, the veteran defender from uh, that had captain Austria at the Euros um, back in, I think it was in, um, I can't remember if it was 08 or something like that, but the, the, there are free agents out there that we could go and, and grab and at least bring in to, uh, if we're not bringing them in 
if they're not obviously if they're not trialing now, then we're not going to sign them. But if but uh, something like that could also have been or probably should have been done with, from the point that uh, Opara went out injured, basically. The uh, barring a, a signing like that, do you think we could see more rotation from Burmese where maybe Ellis goes ahead and gets spot starts to just purely relieve? Because um, we always cause we have the issue with Olam. If he comes back to the, the defense, does Claros get the start? Is Claros played at the level that we think he's ready to start at that spot? It's it's kind of a chain reaction no matter what Sporting does at this point. Because if we use if they use Ellis, that's your main guy for outside back. Um, you know. That's our only guy for outside back, really, right now. Uh, yeah, unless Peterson comes back, or uh, I guess Zizo could play a little bit, or DeBall could play a little bit. We don't really want to see that, though, I don't think. Is there anybody else out there? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think... Mishak Chiron you know, doesn't have a club. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Is that? Oh, man, the, the Haitian Chavi. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that'd be interesting. I mean, I, I don't know. I would. I I I don't see them actually signing someone. I see them like what you were saying, Sad, of just you know rotating in like an like Ellis at some point or Olam even maybe. But and and like I would feel, I would feel fine with that of you know maybe Ellis in for you know to give Beesler a game rest if if we still had Yuri standing in front of the two center backs. But like you were saying, we don't know the level that we don't really, we're we're really unsure of the level of Claros at this point. I mean, it, it looks pretty suspect so far. And so, I mean, yeah, it's, I think it's just going to still be kind of a, kind of a risky ride here, like till the end of the season. And we just need to, we need to have Dom be putting away every chance that he gets. Well, that we need that no matter what, <laughs> just for the yeah. entertainment value, if nothing else. <laughs> In that game, we had um, Beasler's tackle that was called for the PK, but um, I know some people have said that that should have been a red, and then the uh, the altercation between Dom and uh, his name is escaping me right now, Mike. The guy, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gaia. yeah. I was going to say that guy, but it, it, it wasn't right. Um, <laughs> that altercation that could have been a red, uh, I think, for the the karate kick to the ribs. And I don't know I, how know, that's not a red. <laughs> I, I mean, it was like comical. I don't. It's it's it was it wasn't even like you know a blatant high kick is like at the knees. That was freaking like at his rib cage, like. But you know, and and with the instant replay and from the record of how MLS has been handling high elbows like that, I mean, I can I can see an argument for why Dom maybe could have got a could have got a red there, but I just I don't see there how there's there's any way around not giving the the karate kick a, a red card. How about you, Mike? Yeah, do you, you see possible 
disciplinary I mean, action committee? I, I could Dom's elbow. I I was watching uh, I was watching Borg's instant replay before uh, getting on the call. I, I I can see Dwyer's elbow, but I mean I, I don't think that's a red card. It's not like um, it, it's not like earlier this year uh, when uh, what was it? it it's it, it would have been a red. It would have been a red card at the same level of, of, in my opinion, of the one that uh, Colin got Colin. against, uh, against um, Columbus. The one where he but, was going up and, with the natural motion of his arm, caught the guy with his elbow. And I, then I it got rescinded, think, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I, on, watching that, I'm not sure that that is a. That would be that would have been a red card like like the column one. I would have I would have ex, I would expect uh, Sporting to have uh, to have gone to the disciplinary committee uh, to try to get that rescinded if Dwyer had gotten a red for that. Now Sagaya's kick where when the ball was nowhere near him, I, I I could see disciplinary disciplinary committee action for that. That was uh, th- that was. Violent conduct. It, it was not an attempt to play the ball at all. Um, it was uh, an attempt to strike the opponent. So I could absolutely see the disciplinary committee coming back on, on that one. Um, as, as for Beesler's, in my opinion, it, it it very easily could have been a red card. Um, I, I I've seen it not called. I've actually seen it called a red more times than I haven't. Um, in those situations just because of the way that uh, – because of the play. I was honestly at the time a little surprised that he didn't after seeing the initial replay of it. Yeah, the way the way I look at that at that play is I think a – I think a yellow would have been suffice there. Uh, when, when Beesler went in for the slide, he was clearly going for the ball and just missed it. But so I think I think yellow would have would have would have been cool there. I don't I don't think uh you know a red was necessary. But there was another play later on. I can't remember exactly who it was against. The guy kind of you know flopped a little bit after it. But there was another one where Beaser was really late and didn't get any of the ball and got lucky again and didn't get a didn't get a yellow. And so I think. I think he that that one should have been a second yellow, and he was he was lucky in that regard not be sent off. Yeah, yeah. I, I think Miller M- Miller did himself no favors by the way he uh, by how airborne he got on that right. uh, uh, yeah. on that foul. He 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 made he 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 made it look like a dive the the way how with how much air he got on that one. So him not. I, I see the foul, and I think, uh, like I said, Miller did Beesler a favor on that with, with how how much air he got. As for the as for the other one, y- y- when it comes to denial of a goal scor- scoring opportunity, intent doesn't mean anything. Beesler could have been going for the ball, but if he misses it, that that's it, in that situation, a denial of a goal scoring opportunity would have been the red card there. And yeah, looking at it, you you really can't argue the fact that Bradley Wright Phillips probably, well, not probably was in on goal. Collins wasn't going to really catch him 
in that instance if Beesler, uh doesn't foul him there. So intent really doesn't matter in terms of denial of the goal-scoring opportunity. Yeah, the, the only thing I was I was looking at for the for the goal scoring opportunity, I mean, if if you know on the on the second contact, if that's what they're talking about, I don't see any way that like that is definitely denying a goal scoring opportunity. But may, I mean, if the ref is calling it as you know, right when Beesler goes in, if he's calling the foul there, then I mean that's all the way at the top of the box, and there maybe is an argument to say that. It wasn't a for sure, you know, goal scoring opportunity. Being that it was in the box, though, if he'd have uh, issued a yellow, wouldn't he essentially had to have done a red, Mike? With the way the rules are, because if you award yeah. a PK in a card, it's pretty much a red. Um, and I don't want to claim that I actually know that rule perfectly, but there's something that's <laughs> telling me that if he issued that card, it would have been a red. That's why he, I don't think that's why he did not issue the card. Yeah, it, that's probably valid. Yeah, it, it, in that situation, it probably if he's going to issue a card, in my opinion, it has to be a red. Um, I don't. I'm not sure you can justify that it's a yellow. I know in uh, again going back to the uh, instant replay this week, I know that uh, the uh, pool reporter did ask him about that. And I, for the life of me now, I can't remember his response. Um, I think, actually, I think he just said that it was a normal foul um, in that situation, He, uh, which was why he uh, didn't give a yellow card in that, that it was just a, a normal run-of-the-mill foul, and that he didn't think it was a clear goal-scoring opportunity, which was why he did not give a red there. Yeah, typically in the box, it's uh, it's a PK or a PK and a red. You know what I mean? It's it's like it's never that yellow in a PK. It's just that it's the way it, I think it works. Um, any more discussion on the potential red cards? Any more points that we forgot? I don't think so. I will take that as a no. Um, any other subjects from the just the game in general? And um, I mean, I know we've said that it seems like the team played better, starting to maybe get back on the right track. Um, yeah, I, uh, I found it interesting that 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 the finish on the goal from Dom was so great, like that that you would say he's in good form, but then you know he had two or three other opportunities that I that I still kind of shake my head at that he you know. That shanked over the goal at least on one of them. Yeah, I, th- I give him a bit of a pass on that because, I mean, that's a, a goal scorers. Goal scorers tend to be a bit streaky to begin with. They tend to right. score bunches and you know consecutive games, and then go for a little dry spells and then pick back up again. It just depends on the player. Some of them, some of them pick back up, some never do. But that's. Part of being the, the guy who has no fear to take the shot is that you're gonna you're gonna put a fair amount of them over the bar and into the upper deck, and you're gonna put a fair amount of them on goal. It's just the it's which way the luck falls for that particular shot. You know what I mean? Right, right. Now, if he was if he had three goals on the season and he was putting those over the bar all the time, I would be a little bit more unhappy with him. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, I mean, there's the argument that he has been on somewhat of a cold streak lately. And so that's what, that's the reason that it's not good to see that right now. But it is – that's why that, that finish was so great in that game. That was such a pretty finish, that side volley. Yeah, that that it was. It was one of those that you thought would uh, turn the team on and, you know, rally to victory at that point because it was kind and of it, a, it, it did there for, you know, well, like probably the next two minutes after that, the whole team was forward and they looked like the old sporting again and where everyone was up and on the ball and forcing bad passes, but then it kind of faded away after a couple minutes. All right. Mike, anything to add? Yeah, I'm still here. I was letting no. you guys talk. <laughs> no, just see if you had anything to add. Sorry. Um, I think that's it for the sporting game um, at New York. Cover just a couple other bits of news that are not sporting-related for the moment. Uh, FC Kansas City. Yeah. The champion. They, they uh, loaned then, out loaned out Morgan. She's gone. <laughs> She'll be back. It's I know. Okay. That's actually that's actually really cool for for both of them. Just in just being gone for the off season. Yeah, but you're you're definitely I think infatuated with Morgan Marbo, aren't you, Cody? <laughs> well, I don't know. I just I just have a soft spot for her because she went to my high school. Um, Morgan, and to, to finish it off, Morgan Marlboro, uh FC Kansas City forward, has been loaned to Glasgow FC of the Scottish Premier League, and Katrina Gorey to the Brisbane Roar of the W League in Australia. She's Australian, and that's where she came from before she came to Kansas City, so that made perfect sense for that one. And as I, as of far as I know, I, I asked the question and was told that they have no other loan plans at the moment for players. So I, th- I would say that's a, a good deal for both of them to go get the uh, time and experience and some playing time. The other bit of news today from the same sort of camp, uh, Missouri Comets, the MASL announced their full schedule, which makes them actually seem like they have their act together. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of um, what I was almost surprised to see. <laughs> uh, Comets actually have a pretty decent schedule, don't they, Mike? Yeah, no, I they they have. I, I like the schedule. I from a from a fan perspective, I like it because basically they only they have all Friday and Saturday night games except for uh except for their final game of the season which is um which is a Sunday afternoon. So I, I like the home schedule from a from a fan perspective, but uh also competition wise they're getting a lot of uh it, it's gonna be a lot of it, it's gonna be a lot of new teams and it's gonna be some decent teams coming in uh too. I mean you have uh we're in the same division as the uh last PASL champions the uh the Chicago Mustangs and then we have uh we also get to host uh traditional um uh, traditional indoor power the Soccers as well from San Diego so 
we get a lot of quality teams coming into uh, coming here this year. So it, it'll be interesting to see how things uh, how things turn out. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting schedule. Uh, they open at Dallas, which we've we've known about for quite a while because they're you know they they've hyped that game a bit, and then they go to Chicago. So um, we've known that one because they had all the home openers. And then they come back to face Milwaukee, which is traditional rival for Kansas City, Wichita, um, and then some teams that we haven't seen forever, Harrisburg, um, Tulsa, San Diego, um, two teams in Mexico, Saltillo and Monterey. So it's going to be a good mix of teams. And then uh, ending the season, that, that last game that you sent, the Sunday game against Seattle, a team that didn't exist before a couple of weeks ago, to be honest, or well, a couple of months ago. The, um, but as you said, all those Friday Saturday games, and then the the only Sunday game is after the NFL season, so it's not going to be a conflict with that. So that's a pretty good schedule, I would say. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. That's good to hear. I'll go. I'll definitely be out there checking out some games this year. I got. I went to what two, two or three last year. Yeah, yeah. We were. I think. Uh, I think Mike hit the low. The fewest he's hit in the entire time of since they've come back, and only hit about half of them, didn't you, Mike? Yeah, just about. I I ended up uh, not in the press box as much as I have in previous uh, previous years. I actually. Ended up going to more games as as a fan uh, this past season, taking my uh, taking my oldest to games. So um, I'm sure I'll probably do a uh, a mixture of that again this year because I know uh, I know my oldest likes to go out to the uh, go to the Comets games during the winter. Well, I, I know we've mentioned on previous podcasts, but uh, five of the Comets players were on the recent U.S. football trip down to Argentina. Um, Danny Waltman, John Sosa, um, Brian Perez, Leo Gibson, and Brian Harris. I think I got them all. And then two of the uh, Sporting Academy juniors, uh, 16-, 17-year-olds, that were also on that football trip. So that's some great experience for those guys down there playing against some of the best football players. Should probably how, did, how, did, how did we Thank fare? You. They uh, played against the Argentina national team and got their butts kicked like two or three times, but got better each time. So I think the first game they were shut out. Second game they were like 5-1 or something like that. And then the the last game it was more like a 4-2. I I don't remember the exact scores, but it was something along that line. And then they played a, a pro team down there, a pro football team, and they actually, I think they beat them. So it was a, it was a good learning experience for the, for the Comets, and there's several, quite a, I mean, pretty much all the rest of the players were uh, from, going to be playing in the uh, Arena Soccer League also, so they're just with different teams, uh, goalie from St. Louis, uh, guys from Milwaukee, etc. So, all right, anything else about the Comets? All right, um, let's see. Round table. Cody, you had a subject you wanted to bring up, I believe. Oh, yeah. Um, I just saw 
an interesting conversation on Twitter that James Starrett posed the question of who's the sporting MVP so far in the season. And, I mean, it it really is an interesting question when you think about it. I mean, there's, like, what, six players that, on, like, honestly, that you could that, that come to mind that you could say – I liked I like Ben's Ben's response was uh was Yuri Rizel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if he was still here I, I that'd be a damn good selection. All right. Uh, so who are, who would you who would you say is the uh, main contenders, Cody? I mean I Dom Dom and Benny for me, I guess. I would probably have to say Dom and then Benny is a close second. Um I like I want to. A big part of me wants to say Benny, but I don't know. There, he he still he has his lapses at moments, and I think the ability of Dom to put away you know more chances than we've had a striker do in previous years is probably what's kept us in it this long. How about you, Mike? Who would be your uh... Top couple choices and your final vote. If it was, uh, if you had to vote on the MVP right now, I mean, really, you can't go for me. You can't go with anybody but Dom and or or Benny as the MVP for the team this year. I I know people say people say Rossell, people say Kromberg, people say Nagamura simply because of their absence. Uh, from the team and how the team performed without them. And honestly, I not to badmouth Ben because he's not on tonight to defend himself, but I, I <laughs> think those are crap responses. I, I don't like those responses. You're, you're never guaranteed that the players are going to continue to perform. Rossell only played seven games with us this season. Um, uh, Kromberg has played 17. He bears, ha, won't, won't, he'll, he'll, if he comes back in time, he'll play just over half of our games this year. Nakamura, similar, similar situation. I don't think any of those guys can legitimately be considered MVP candidates for the team, no matter how the team is doing with or without them. For me, it really, it, it, it is just, Dwyer and Failhaber, and to me it has. For, for me, it's Failhaber. Um, yeah, Dwyer's uh, Dwyer is fishing chances, but I, I think without Benny in the midfield, uh, I, I think this team is worse off than they are now. I mean, ben, ben, Benny's played every single position in our three-man midfield. He's played the attacking mid. He's played the box-to-box role, and he even played the uh, the deep line. Uh, D-mid right in front of the center backs for a few games after after Rossell left simply because of his passing ability. So he, he's shown a tremendous tremendous versatility this year to uh, to be able to play all over the midfield. He's shown a willingness to do that. Um, I know, Thad, we've talked about in the past when we signed him how you didn't like his, his attitude or his, his style when we when we signed him. And we haven't seen any of that this year. He's been the perfect team player. He's been all over the field, and he—he's honestely been. He—he's he, like I said, he's my MVP vote at this point. Yeah, I—I I, I will go. I agree with you guys that you really stand the two choices. Uh, in some defense of people who are throwing out the other names, I know that's kind of crap, but I think they're just being smart asses because they're down on the team at the moment. 
You know what I mean? That's just, it's, it's not a, I don't think if you legitimately said here, so a lot of MVP slip at the end of the year, anybody would actually say Roselle, but uh, I mean, he, he did have one of those, one, one of the best you, games you ever have, before he was sold, but. You have too much faith in people, Thad. Yeah, that's one of the few times people will say that. <laughs> The um, let's just let's just go on for the moment. I I mean I, I do I did love Rizal. He was one of my favorite players while he was here, and I will say that up until about two or three weeks ago, I think I would have clearly said Failhaber also just because of of all the reasons that you gave, Mike. Um, right now I'm a little more torn. I will actually if I had to vote today. I would say Benny, but it would be barely over Dom. It would just be that tiny little hair that would be the difference at this point. Just because I, yeah, I feel uh, like the last couple of weeks he kind of let us down from what he was doing. Yeah, everybody um, I I think sometimes people can forget the value Dom's hold-up play. And, you know, Benny will always have, you know, two or three beautiful you know, through balls a game. and But, you know, the beating that Dom takes and, and, you know, giving, like, the midfield one pass to, you know, a wall to bounce the ball off of to make a move, that's that's really where, where I think Dom separates himself for me. And then also if you look on, <laughs> if you look on the Blue Testament's homepage, Besides the last Blue Links article, there's like the last five pictures all have Dom's face on it. He's he's <laughs> he's a star. He's got a, he's got the team in the news all over the world. Yeah, I think I think it's Dom. Well, that, that said, I I expect Dom to win it. Mainly, it, it come the end of the year, I do expect Dom to win it. He. At this point, he won't get my vote, but I expect him to win the team vote, um, mainly because of his um, his numbers, because a lot of the media people that will vote will look at nothing but the numbers. But that that's my little dig at some of the media around the city. Well, I think you're being too kind now, Mike. <laughs> oh, come on. The entire... The, the, the voting media for the end of year awards is not that soccer savvy. You're, you're, That's what I, I mean. I'll, you're being too kind. Yeah, they're they're pretty awful. I think is what that is trying to say. I mean, you'll, you'll get Sam if, if if Gooch votes. You'll get him to be an educated uh, educated opinion on it. I'm honestly not sure how many uh, how many votes the star actually gets, but uh, I mean, you'll have the star. You'll have maybe one or two other people uh, around outside the what what's really the new media, I guess, and the rest will just look at the stats and go, "Ooh, he had 17 goals. He gets MVP." Yeah, there it, the um the the people who show up for the big events like All-Star games and uh you know the playoffs and stuff like that a lot of those people will get votes who don't follow the team and they will just look at numbers and stuff like that. 
Um, I'm pretty sure the voters from theBlueTestament.com will do better than that. There'll be an informed opinion whether or not we will all agree. That's a whole other story. So that, and again, I think this is, I think either one, either choice is actually a fairly decent choice. I mean, I'm, you know, I, I wouldn't berate Cody for voting for Dom in any way, shape, or form at this point because I, like I said, I'm pretty torn between the two. I could go no, either no, way. Not, I just don't really mean. Yeah, no, and and I'm not saying that Dom's a bad choice. I'm just saying that fail. Phil Hubbard won't get the the credit he deserves in the final vote, I don't think, is what I'm You're saying. Right. I think we're all agreeing on that aspect, Mike. In, in other words, at least half the media are idiots is what you're saying nicely. <laughs> you said it, not me. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm trying to interpret for you. I'm trying to I'm trying to take it out of Mike speak into reality here. No. Um Okay, maybe we won't say half the media, but we'll just say a significant portion of the voting public. How about that? That works. Fair enough. Now, after we've insulted uh, anybody who we'd want to invite on to our podcast, no, I'm kidding. Uh, next roundtable subject, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw it out there, is the new Swope Soccer Village that they just opened up. Actually, the grand opening is on Friday, but the actually it was opened last weekend. My daughter actually played two games out there, Saturday and Sunday. Nice facility, uh, nice turf fields. The um, it, it was just, I mean, they're pretty well done. The fields are good. It's good quality turf as far as turf goes and all that. They need more parking. <laughs> <laughs> hell, trying to get to the parking spot anywhere near the field you were actually playing on. So, if anybody's listening to that, Ficklin, anybody else from Sporting, add one more lot. That's all it needs. One more small lot, and that will probably take care of it. <laughs> you know, whenever you when whenever I was looking at this topic, um, the star has a picture, like you know, like a an aerial picture of the whole thing, and it's got the like you know the over seven fields and then just two little tiny baby parking lots and you can you can just see exactly what you're talking about in this aerial picture. Yeah, that um that there's actually there's the main lot that's actually right next to sporting uh training center, training building. And then there's another lot that's over in that clump. There's a tiny little bitty lot that's kind of hidden into the trees. And they have parking along the road, but it's all, you know, that requires people to actually park in lines and, you know, cooperate with their fellow man kind of thing. It's kind of hard to do sometimes. (laughs) So, and then those larger fields, when they have youth games, they'll play two games on them. They play them crosswise. So that doubles the amount that, I know the teams are slightly smaller, but not by that much. You're talking like, eight or nine kids on the field instead of 11. And so you have almost the same amount of parents and cars, et cetera, as a full-size game, but doubled because they're playing two on each field. So that just adds more to it. There's a dirt spot, if you look at that picture on the the picture you're talking about, it's right down at the, mm-hmm. the, the far end of that. They could add a little lot right there. would be perfect. Yeah, I need to My, go, I need to go check it out. The uh, the grand opening is on Friday, 4.30. I don't know why 4.30 on Friday, but since they already actually had games there over the last weekend, 
Uh, I don't know if they had any of the uh, concession stands open. Uh, they do actually have two different concession stands. Uh, they did have roastery coffee out there and stuff like that, serving coffee on the morning games. But, yeah, right. it'll be a pretty classy spot. The, uh, so, yeah, that just adds one more good set of fields in the area, which has been very much needed. Well, I, I was I was reading the Star article uh, about the about the complex, the the one that came out today, and the study that uh, that Ficklin, Dave Ficklin mentioned said that they were we were, were they were short something like two hundred fields, I think it was, still from the yeah. uh, for, from the studies that they had done, and so I mean, while it's nice, it's it doesn't put a dent in the in the uh field numbers that uh that the team had talked that that are mentioned in that study but i mean i know we still have the uh the, there's still the complex in uh the the US training center which will have some fields that i'm sure the turf fields will be used there's the uh the, there's the potential development over off of 470 and view high that was brought up uh, a couple months ago. So there are hopefully some of those complexes can really get off the ground, but it's a question of whether how much use they'll have and how many people will actually get access to those fields. I mean, the um, again going back to the Star article, they, they mentioned that they're already sold out through through the I think it was through the end of the year basically already. Due to uh, due to the the demands of the fields, um, I, and I don't know if you guys remember when uh, back back when the Overland Park Soccer Complex wa- was built, but that became a big um, a big to do because uh, Blue Valley, which helped build the OP- Blue Valley Soccer Club, which helped build the complex, basically got first, second, and third dibs on on fields and time. Which basically left nothing for uh, for almost anybody else to have times on on those fields. Which again just reiterates the the lack of real quality fields um, that that players can be on. Yeah, that's, that's going to be one of the issues still for a long time. Because like Ficklin, I mean, he's he's told me that before about the 200 fields that they did the study. Um, that one that's uh, view view high in 470, they've if they ever get it started, that's like 12 or 14 fields. Um, at one time, I was told that they weren't even they weren't even looking at putting leagues in there from the from the initial. That would they would just like use it as an overflow for leagues. But they were looking at hosting like 20, 30 tournaments a year. So it would be more of a destination site than a uh, tournament site. But that I don't know. They, they that. say that. And they say that now, and come come if it actually ever gets built. That that's not what's going to happen. That'll be the that'll be the new location. That'll be the where where teams want to play. That'll be where where Heartland will expand to next, basically to get more games. It, they'll say one thing, but I just a new complex isn't going to sit unused for except for. Uh, Tournaments, basically, it, it's they'll find a way to use it. No, the, no, I, I would say there would be league games there. It just wouldn't be the primary tenant. It would be the it'd be the overflow when they won't weren't hosting tournaments. But they were talking about 
major tournament type of stuff there because it was unlike any of the other field complexes around the area. I, I don't know how much people have heard about that uh, the plans for that complex, but they were talking about having uh, all these fields in one location with restaurants basically on the premises. So you're done playing, you get another game in two hours, you don't have to drive someplace to find food, you walk across the parking lot and walk into, you know, Applebee's or Subway or what, whoever else is on there. Uh, there's going to be offices around the location also, apartments right around it, a uh, hotel actually on the premises. So you got a tournament there, you can stay at the hotel, walk across the parking lot and go play. All these things it was going to be a little bit different than any of the other complexes that are in the area, more of a and, more of like an amusement park destination center. And that's like it. I thought I was under the impression that it was for sure happening. The the 471 hasn't fully gotten off the ground yet. Um, the oh. the last I heard is that it still had to go before the Lee Summit Planning Commission. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's okay. I, I actually have a tab pulled up on my browser that remind to remind me to go check into the status of it because I haven't heard anything lately. So hopefully I'll hear something more. And if anybody's listening to this that knows the details, please let us know. Because that's uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm. Oh, I, miss you. <clears throat> I was pretty. I was pretty excited about hearing about that one at 470. It sounds pretty impressive. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm really hoping it does happen. That's uh, another a good set of fields on the Missouri side uh, that's well needed. All right, any other subjects now that we've kind of delved into youth soccer fields a little more than I anticipated that subject being? But uh, more more parking down at Swope Park, at Swope Soccer Village is needed, and we need more fields everywhere. Any other subjects, Mike? You got anything you want to throw out there that we forgot today? I've got uh, real quick uh, African Cup of Nations uh, former Where's Will John update real quick for you. Uh, Kai Kamara scored for uh, Sierra Leone in what ended up as a as a loss to it, to the Ivory Coast in uh, African Cup of Nations qualifying in their first game of the group stage, but they are... Uh, we lost you there for a second, Mike. Repeat what you were saying. Oh, sorry. Uh, Kai Kamara and uh, Sierra Leone had their first African Cup of Nations qualifier, lost to uh, lost to the Ivory Coast. Kai got the uh, opening goal for uh, Sierra Leone as they lost 2-1. to one. Uh, They actually play tomorrow... Um, in a in a uh, home game, but it's actually on the road in Congo, uh, who they actually play. So it'll be a home game for Congo, but a home game for Sierra Leone, uh, because they they're not allowed to host games because of the uh, the Ebola outbreak. Hmm. Yeah. Um. Well, hoping, hopefully, because I know that even the Ivory Coast game wasn't that uh, we scheduled one from before. They were going to play it like a week or two ago. ago? I don't know because the I don't know for certain, but it was played on the same date as uh, as the other group games, so I don't believe so. 
I was thinking there was a game, and maybe it's the Congo game, or maybe it was another one. But I was thinking there was one that was a couple weeks ago that they were that they were going to play, but it ended up being postponed because the country didn't want to allow uh, the Sierra Leone team in. And I think that was Kai had actually already made it into the country before they said no. That, I, that, was the, that, that was their last qualifying game the, because Sierra Leone had to go through qualifying to get to the group stage. Okay. And uh, they they had to face, uh, oh, I would butcher this name. It, it's an island nation off the uh, east coast of Africa, Seychelles. Uh, uh, S e y c h e l l e s. I yeah, not yeah, even try. Seychelles, yeah. I think. It, I could, and I'm probably but wrong. The, but their they, yeah, their 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 second leg against Sierra Leone was canceled because the uh, because immigration authorities wouldn't let the Sierra Leone team into the country. All right. Um, it. Uh, you got anything else to throw out there, Cody, before we go? No, I can't think of anything. All right. The, uh, let's see, right, we'll be back with, uh, uh, hopefully a preview of the next game, Sporting at Chivas. And this is Thad from thebluetestament.com. Please read thebluetestament.com and also down the byline.com for Mike. Uh, that's it. Well, thank you, guys. All right, I'll talk to you later. You know we're gonna feel alright